This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us on the show today. My name is Walker Wildman, and uh, this is Exposing Washington. Check out our website, AFR.net. Go to our website, AFR.net. It's the best way to connect to the show. You can also download the American Family Radio app on your smartphone or your tablet device. Just go to your app store on Android or Apple and type in AFR. AFR, American Family Radio, and you can download the app there. Also, another way to listen to Exposing Washington is to download the podcast on your phone. You can uh, go to the podcast store and just type in Exposing Washington, and you, you can subscribe to the podcast there and, uh, and um, keep up with the show and listen to, listen to um, Exposing Washington at your own convenience. So great ways to keep up with Exposing Washington uh, and uh, listen to the show at your own convenience. Couple of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, before I jump into some of the news of the week, I want to mention an event coming up a um, town hall online event. AFA at Home is the name of the event. I'll be the MC. We'll have uh, great panel discussions. On the show will be Dr. Richard Land, Sandy Rios, David and Jason Benham, Tim Barton. We will also have Star Parker. And uh, and Abraham Hamilton the third. So great lineup um, on this this uh, this production this show here in a couple weeks. It will air on October eighth, and it'll be an online event only, at least to begin with. On October eighth, it will uh, air online on our website, on our uh, governmental affairs affiliate website, afaaction.net. So if you want to register, you do have to register. All we need is your email address. You have to register for the event. Go to afaaction.net, afaaction.net, and you can register for the event. It's called AFA at Home. We're going to talk about uh, all the issues facing our country, and we'll have great panel discussions. And once again, I'll be hosting that. So go to afaaction.net and register. It's an online event only that will go live on October 8th at 7 p.m. Central. That's October 8th at 7 p.m. Central. So stay tuned for that. Go to afaaction.net to find out more information. Jumping right into the news of the week, one thing I said months ago on American Family Radio on my show here on Exposing Washington, one, thing's, one thing that I said and I projected and, uh, or rather predicted, was 
the exact origin of the coronavirus, the exact origin of COVID-19, I said on the show that I believed it came from the lab in Wuhan. And at the time, I was I did not have definitive evidence other than the than common sense that says you have a lab a a uh, you have a lab in Wuhan, China that tests and handles viruses such as coronavirus. And out of all of China, out of all of mainland China, COVID-19 just happened to come from Wuhan. And they wanted us to believe it was from some wet market, from some bat in a wet market. But the more we find out, it is now being said by someone who knows about this, that it came from the virology lab there in Wuhan. And I'm going to play a clip clip here. This was on Tucker Carlson on Fox News. And this Chinese virologist who is very familiar with how all this works, with how these, these viruses are manufactured and they're studied, she says that she, with, with confidence and she has evidence that says that this virus back in 2019 came from the Wuhan lab. Let's listen to that clip. I know that you've published some of your research. You're planning on publishing more soon. Give us, for a non-scientific audience, a summary of why you believe this virus came from a lab in Wuhan, please. Okay, briefly from my first report, I can present the solid scientific evidence to our audience that this virus, COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 virus, actually is not from nature. It is a man-made virus created in the lab based on the China military discovered and owned the very unique bad coronavirus, which cannot affect people, but after the modification becomes a very harmful virus at now. So I have evidence to show why they can do it, what they have done. How did they do it? Well, there you have it. That's a Chinese virologist. I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name because I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. But I'll post a link to this story on my podcast page at AFR.net. And this Chinese virologist, she says that she has evidence that this virus came from a lab in Wuhan, China. And she goes further to say that the Chinese military took this virus, what was once a harmless virus to humans, talking about this strain, and they altered it to where it is now very harmful to humans. Or, I don't know if you want to say very, but it is harmful to humans. And this falls right in line with everything, with all other facts that we know about this. And so we'll keep an eye on this story, but 
as I said from months ago, all the evidence points to the fact that China let this virus out of their lap. Now, whether it was intentional or accidental, I think that's to be determined. But I think many of us with a pretty high level of confidence can say that this virus, it is very likely that this virus came out of the lab in Wuhan, China. And so we'll continue to cover that story, and whenever the evidence she has, if she ever releases that, we'll be sure to cover that on the show. Shifting gears to another topic, I want to talk about uh, this mail-in voting scam that we're seeing going on across the country. Let's listen to clip one. This is President Trump at the White House this week when he was asked the question, what do you see as being the biggest threat to the election system? Clip one, let's listen. Our biggest threat to this election is uh, governors from opposing parties controlling ballots, millions of ballots. To me, that's a much bigger threat than foreign countries because much of the stuff coming out about foreign countries turned out to be untrue. Well, there you have it. President Trump says the biggest threat he sees coming up in the election is these various states that are sending ballots to anyone and everyone who is on the voting roll. Regardless of whether they are actually still alive, whether they're still re- whether they're still a valid registered voter and citizen of that state, the problem, one of the main problems here is these these voting rolls are known to be this. If if you're familiar with data, and especially data on individuals or persons, these voting rolls in various states are some of the most it's, it is some of the most dirty data. And when I say dirty, I'm talking about it's got some of the worst, some of the least accurate data around. You've got addresses that aren't verified. You've got names that aren't verified. You've got names that are misspelled. You've got wrong zip codes in there. You've got wrong phone numbers in the system. You've got all kind of dirty data just because it's a government-run system. And they're using these, these voter rolls to mail out these ballots to hundreds of thousands of people in various states. And so I agree. I think the mass mail-in voting that we're going to see in, in various blue states, I think this is a major problem. But not only do you have the the inaccurate information side of it or inaccurate data. You also have the delivery problems. You have the U.S. Postal Service responsible for delivering millions of ballots, not only to the voters, but then back to the polling place or wherever the election, the local election commission is counting ballots. And here's what's going to happen. And this is, this is a big problem. There are rules in various states that outline how long after an election votes can be counted. And the general rule, 
has been historically that as long as the mail, as long as the ballot is postmarked by election day, so in this case it would be November 3rd, then that vote counts. But if anything comes in after that is that is postmarked for any date after the election, such as November 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, etc., then that vote does not get counted. So the, the postmark on the envelope, on the return envelope, has to be at least the day of the election, if not before. Until this week, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that they will be allowing that that the that Pennsylvania state must allow votes to be counted even if they're postmarked after November 3rd. Let me read the specific court order from this week or the opinion and then I'll explain my conclusion there. The court added, quote, that ballots received within this period, talking about November 3rd and November 6th, the three days following the election, these ballots that, quote, lack a postmark or other proof of mailing or for which the postmark or other proof of mailing is eligible will be presumed to have been mailed by election day unless a preponderance of the evidence demonstrates that it was mailed after election day. Let me just summarize that, that legalese for you. What the court, the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania concluded today, this week, is that if the postmark is missing from the envelope or you can't read it, then it will be presumed to have been mailed by election day, which means it will be counted. What that means, in other words, is they will be counting, if you can't read the postmark date, they will be counting it. If there is no postmark date, they will be counting it. But that also means that hypothetically someone could dump a hundred ballots with no postmark at all with no sign of being returned through the USPS and that will be counted. Hypothetically, this puts the This opens Pandora's box for fraud. Because with at least a postmark date, you know that someone put it back in the USPS system by November 3rd or after November 3rd. But the Pennsylvania Supreme Court just opened this uh, their election in Pennsylvania up to mass fraud and inaccuracies. And might I add that that is a crucial state for either candidate to get enough electoral votes to win.
what the Democrats are setting up for is for chaos, and they know it. They've admitted it. They're setting our country up. They're setting various states up for election chaos. And they're just fine with it. This mass mail-in voting that the Democrats are pushing and they're doing has nothing to do with the coronavirus, nothing to do with whether they think you should go to the ballot box or sit at home and mail your ballot in. This has everything to do with the Democrats fomenting chaos, with the Democrats fostering an environment of chaos. Because in times of chaos, that's where they seem to take advantage and make the most ground which is what they're doing now during the coronavirus. Another topic I want to talk about is this uh, this Lindsey Graham um, Senate panel subpoena for James Comey and others. Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, came out this week and announced that his Judiciary Committee, the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, will be issuing a subpoena for James Comey and a few others in light of the Russia hoax, the Russia investigation, and all the scandalous activity that happened under the Obama administration and even into the Trump administration. And many of you might say, well, that's just, that's great news. That's great news. But in reality, this is not good news, and here's why. We have been investigating and subpoenaing and issuing reports for over three years on this Russia hoax, and not one person has gone to jail over the criminal behavior of the Obama administration. And so, frankly, I'm sick and tired of Senate hearings and House hearings and and reports and congressional reports and all of this garbage, and it's a waste of time. John Durham, the U.S. prosecutor from Connecticut, is supposed to be investigating all the crooks that were in place at the Department of Justice and other agencies during the Obama administration. And it's my opinion that John Durham should be the last stop on this journey. We don't need any more congressional investigations that have no teeth to them. All they do is waste our time, waste taxpayer dollars. We don't need any of this. So I'm 100% opposed to Lindsey Graham putting on a show in the Senate on our taxpayer dollars to get James Comey to come over to the Senate and testify on the Russia hoax because we've been there and we've done that. And this is making me begin to question whose side Lindsey Graham is really on. 
Lindsey Graham should be demanding that John Durham prosecute all the crooks from the Obama administration instead of issuing a subpoena to James Comey to come do a circus on the Senate floor and in the Senate chamber with the Judiciary Committee. It's a big, fat waste of time. And another thing that Lindsey Graham did, which is also raising concerns, is many of you heard about the about the Bob Woodward Washington Post interview with President Trump and how he had access to President Trump in the Oval Office for hours at a time asking him all kind of questions and President Trump thought that that was somehow going to end up well for him. Well, let's listen to clip six and let's understand who set up the interview between President Trump and Bob Woodward. Let's listen. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. It was Lindsey Graham who helped convince Donald Trump to talk to Bob Woodward. Lindsey Graham brokered that meeting. Lindsey Graham even sat in on the first interview between Bob Woodward and the president. How'd that turn out? Now, remember, Lindsey Graham is supposed to be a Republican. So why would he do something like that? You'd have to ask him. But keep in mind that Lindsey Graham has opposed, passionately opposed, virtually every major policy initiative that Donald Trump articulated when he first ran, from ending illegal immigration to pulling back from pointless wars to maintaining law and order at home. Lindsey Graham was against all of that more than many Democrats. Well, there you have it. It was Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina that convinced President Trump that it was a good idea to let Bob Woodward, Washington Post reporter, into the Oval Office. That is a horrible idea. And this is the frustration with Washington, D.C. And these type of shenanigans is what got, is what got us Donald Trump in the White House. Because what some people don't realize, and many are catching on to it, is that we have these so-called Republicans in Washington, D.C. that when you pull back the curtain, many of them, the way they act, the things they do, and the things they vote for are very similar to the Democrats. Very similar to the same people that they claim to oppose. And when you look at the records of some of these Republicans in Washington, their records really aren't that different than some Democrats. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And you can paint with a pretty broad brush here. There are a few exceptions in the Senate and the House of Representatives. There are a few exceptions of lawmakers who say, who mean what they say, and actually try to make a difference. But there are many, especially those in leadership, such as Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, such as Senator Lindsey Graham, also over in the House, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy,
They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And I'm actually surprised that they're still in Washington, D.C. And I think President Trump needs to be careful who he cozies up with in the Republican Party. Because when you cozy up to Lindsey Graham, guess what you get? You get a Bob Woodward interview in the Oval Office for two hours or more. And then you get a book by Bob Woodward that he makes hundreds of thousands of dollars off of from his interview in the Oval Office with the president that Lindsey Graham set up. I saw this week where, or in recent weeks, where the House Republicans put out their plan for America. And when I look at it, it's the same promises that they've been making for years and years and years. And it begs the question, what have you been doing for four years while President Trump has been in the White House? And better yet, what did you do for the two years that the Republicans had the majority? They had the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate, and they had a Republican in the White House. And this is one of the reasons I believe that the Republicans lost the House in 2018 is because of their lack of action. Any good legislation that got through the House would go over to the Senate, and where would it go? It would go on a shelf, never to be seen again, thanks to Mitch McConnell. And so why would... Republican voters get excited about electing people who aren't going to do anything. The only reason that Republicans have held on to the Senate is because of their role in the confirmation process, whether it comes to judicial nominees or executive branch nominees. In that area, they're actually doing stuff that makes a meaningful difference to the future of our country. And those who vote Republican, those who are conservative, need to start thinking, should Republicans take back the House, keep the Senate, and should Donald Trump keep the White House? What are Republicans going to do? What legislative action are they going to take that's going to make a long-term difference for the future of our country? Because they deserve pressure to produce results. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. And we'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.